Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Well, hello and welcome to episode 50 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela, or at least as always for the last 50 times. So 50, Michaela, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, I gotta say, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. How do you, how are you feeling about this 50th episode? I feel pretty great about 50 episodes, uh, because we have had a lot of reasons to celebrate, uh, you know, between Halloween's and birthdays and the kickoff of musical month. And you and I had a very musically themed weekend. We sure did. We sure did. You know, we were in full spirit of musical month. So, you know, we decided to take it in. We went and saw a concert, on Friday, and we went out for you know some some extra birthday celebrations. And your husband was kind enough to rent us a private room, so we could go and sing karaoke and have our own private karaoke party. Uh, you know, with just a few of us. And you know, we had to you know we were scratching our musical itch. Yes, yes, and it was really interesting because we you know did have a small group of friends, and not everybody kind of knew each other. Uh, so it was neat to kind of get together. And it was one thing that was very resounding was that we all loved musicals, which was great. Mm -hmm. I mean, because, you know, when you go and do something like karaoke, there's always a person that's doing like, you know, I will survive and, you know, journey and all of those are great fun. But when Mm -hmm. everyone rallies around uh, a song because they all saw it on stage at one point and it had an impact on their life. There's nothing quite like that. So we had a lot of really great spirited performances of uh, from all kinds of musicals. Yeah, that's right. We were uh, we were singing, having a good time, having a few drinks. Uh, some gin and tonics were flowing. We had some uh, of our new Empress Gin. Uh, so you can hear more about that on the uh, episode of the Lobby Bar earlier this week. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a really fun weekend. And like I said, it just, it kept us in the mood for this musical month that we're doing, Michaela. Uh, and if we're going to carry on with musical month, we better, uh, we better get to business and make up a cocktail so we can, we can get on one with, uh, talk about musicals. I think that's a good idea. And I got just the cocktail that's going to set us up for this amazing award winning movie that we're going to be discussing, which is Chicago. Which is Chicago. So we are going to take a quick break and we'll be back to make up our cocktail. This week's cocktail comes from thinkingclub.com and it takes its name from that Velma Kelly classic, All That Jazz. That's right. Uh, And if you uh, drink this, uh, we make no guarantees how your husband and sister will fare, uh, but your drink will be very excellent. Uh, This is kind of like a, a really amazing riff on a martini. Uh, I didn't know what to think about it when we were looking at the ingredients, but boy, I'm glad that we gave this one a try, Michaela. I am too. Uh, I had no idea what a quince or a quince or a quince. I have no idea how to say mm-hmm. that word, but there's a, yeah. the, the, the key is all in the marmalade and jam that goes into this martini. And if you mi- think you misunderstood me, you did not. We are talking about marmalade and jam. That's right. And a martini. And and a martini. That's right. So you can find uh, quince or quince. We probably should have looked that up before we started the episode, but that's okay. Um, You can find that. I found it in like the like cheese, like like fancy cheese section of my grocery store because I guess it's a 
thing that you put on charcuterie boards a lot. Um, I know it's it's big over like in the UK. Um, I think that that kind of jam. And then uh, you're also going to need some marmalade. And we just use, you know, a, a traditional like orange marmalade. I suppose you could use any kind of marmalade or you could probably even use like a, you know, like a nicer like jam or preserve if you wanted to and play around with some different fruit flavors. I, I suppose that that would be fine. But yeah, we went with just like a traditional orange marmalade for this one. Um, so once you track down your kints, uh, jam and your marmalade. Uh, the rest of the stuff you probably already have. So why don't you run through the ingredients for everyone, Michaela? Sure. So you're going to take 50 milliliters of your favorite gin. We uh, did not use Empress on this one because we wanted to see what the natural color was going to look like. So yeah. we used uh, a really good staple was our broker's gin. Uh, it's the one with the little cute top hat on it. So mm -hmm. uh, find that. We uh, combine that with 25 mils of triple sec, uh, a teaspoon each of the Keens or Quince jam and the marmalade. And then a dash, just a dash of lemon juice. Don't put too much lemon juice in it. It won't taste right. Don't, don't yeah. ask me how I know that. <laughs> yeah, you don't, don't use too much. Uh, my recommendation is probably if you just cut like a, a wedge of your lemon, just the amount of juice you get out of that one, uh, one wedge there. Yeah, totally. Um, and what you're going to do is you're going to put all of this into a shaker, just like you would a martini, right? You're mm -hmm. going to add some ice to it, shake that sucker up. You want to shake it up a lot because it basically breaks down that kind of uh, solid uh, piece of the jam and the marmalade and kind of infuses it in with the gin. Uh, it's really lovely that way. And then you're going to strain it into a chilled martini glass and it's quite beautiful and it's very mm -hmm. aromatic and it tastes really, really good. Yeah. Really good. Really fancy. Now on the, uh, the website thinkingclub.com, it says to serve this over like a big ice cube. So we actually did that. We have Michaela has some ice cubes that are, I don't know, about like two inches by two inches, roughly give or take something like that. Um, so we put that into the coupe glass and, uh, strained it on top of it. And it looks gorgeous um it has kind of this real like subtle kind of like orange hue that you get from the triple sec and the marmalade and it's very fancy tasting and it tastes like a martini with jam in it and it's real good it's not sweet uh so don't don't think that when we say that it tastes jammy uh you just get like those that essence of that fruit and it's so good with the gin so go go get these things and try this for sure yeah, it reminds me because remember Chicago was supposed to be set in the 20s, right? Um, it reminds me of kind of this prohibition era drink where you, if you don't have a lot uh, and people would make gin in their bathtubs, right? That was like a real thing. If you didn't have a lot of things to spruce up, you know, a mm -hmm. cocktail, it was, you know, after the Great Depression, um, you would just kind of go into your cupboard and look at something and see what you had. Well, you probably had some jam or some marmalade to, you know, make for breakfast in the morning. Um, lemons are kind of a staple. So it, it, it really kind of makes sense in that way, but it's so easy to make and it's so fancy. I just love it. I'm so excited that we found this one. Yeah. And I'm no expert, but I assume that this, uh, quince, uh, jam and the marmalade are going to last for a super long time. So you could, uh, you know, get those and have them around for a while and make up, you know, quite a few cocktails out of this, but yeah, this one was excellent. I was very glad to have had it and it pairs perfectly with our film for the week, Michaela. It sure does. All right. Well, we have these made up. Why don't we take a quick break and we will be back to talk about this, uh, week's Oscar winning film, Chicago. Spoiler warning for Chicago. 
If you've not yet seen this 2002 Oscar winning movie, you should stop what you're doing right now. Go find it. Watch it. Come back. We can chat about it. Yeah, absolutely. You should go do that. So Chicago came out in 2002. It was directed by Rob Marshall and it stars Renee Zellweger, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Richard Gere and a few others that we're going to talk about as we kind of go through this. And like Michaela said, this uh, Academy Award uh, winner. uh, So this thing was nominated for like every Academy Award. It had 13 nominations in 2002, which is quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a lot. It it took the Oscars by storm, as it were. As it were, that's right. So it was nominated for 13 and it took home six of those. So it won for Best Sound, Best Film Editing, Best Costume Design, Best Set Decoration, and the Best Supporting Actress for Catherine Zeta-Jones. And it won the Best Picture Award, Michaela. So, so those are pretty good. Uh, some technical ones there, some acting ones, Best Picture. Uh, so kind of a mixed bag, a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. And it did really, really well. I remember when this came out and I was like, man, it's going to sweep because it was nominated for so many. And I think that might not have been the most nominations, but but if it had won all of those, it would have tied with uh, the aforementioned English patient. So um, which won 13 awards, maybe the year or 10 years before. So really exciting. Um, and I remember watching the Oscars and seeing Catherine Zeta-Jones win. And she was very, very pregnant at the time. And it was so cute because she said she was super excited to win. And she said, if I wasn't, you know, nine months pregnant, we could dance it all again right here on this stage. She was so excited. So that was kind of cool. That's right. And she does a lot of uh, singing and dancing, uh, you know, as one of our lead characters here. So, you know, kind of all of the uh, actors, actresses in this one are, you know, pulling their own weight, so to speak, you know, doing their own uh, song and dance, which is always really good to see. And this one gets started off, um, you know, setting the stage for what's going to be uh, the Merry Murderesses here. So we're at the uh, Onyx Club, this uh, nightclub. And we have the uh, the Kelly sisters, you know, the aforementioned Velma, played by Catherine Zeta-Jones. They are doing their classic, All That Jazz, which was the inspiration for our drink this week. And kind of in the back of the room, you'll see Roxy. You know, Roxy is played by Renee Zellweger. Uh, she's there. She's watching on. Uh, you get the feeling she's a little bit starstruck, a little bit uh, envious of Velma. Uh, she wants to be a star herself. And she uh, is kind of being uh, led astray by this gentleman by the name of Fred, who thinks that he can help her get ahead uh, in this world. You know, all she's going to have to do is, uh, you know, take him home and he's going to give her all this praise. But that praise goes away after Fred gets what he wants. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, Word to the wise. Ladies, don't believe men named Fred that are going to tell you that they know a guy. Okay, just don't do it. It's a bad idea. Uh, Fred is played beautifully by the one and only Dominic West. Um, Mm I had forgotten that he was in this film. So I was really glad to see him. He's so good at playing kind of this like a like a jerk. Um, He's so good at it. But he's, uh, you know, there's this there's this really amazing montage. And one of the things that uh, Chicago does that's so neat is Chicago was originally a um, Bob Fosse musical that was on the stage. So mm-hmm. you know, to be able to create th- both kind of variables and variations of what is happening is 
really, I think one of the things that um, made this an Oscar winning film. So while all of these things are happening at the club, Velma Kelly, she shows up on stage, her sister's nowhere to be seen. And she's like, it's fine. I don't need her to do the act. You can tell she's very nervous. She came, she was washing uh, what looked like blood off her hands right before she got on stage. And she's singing, Roxy's looking at her and then Roxy's having her own kind of inner dialogue or inner moment around her being the one to sing the song, All That Jazz on a stage Mm -hmm. in front of a bunch of people. And it's really neat, but yeah, Roxy goes home with Fred and they carry on kind of an affair over the next month or so. And he keeps stringing her along saying, Hey, I'm, I know a guy, uh, you know, you're going to get to meet him and he's going to make you a big star. And, uh, but you know, that doesn't ever happen. And uh, yeah. he finally admits that, you know, he wasn't really ever going to help her with her, you know, star studded career. He just really wanted what he could get from her, which is really gross and awful. Um, yeah. And uh, and he is the worst. And he he basically says it in the worst way possible. And this is a this is a musical. So things are a little bit, you know, more to the point because you're trying to you know, tell the story, you know, a little bit more directly, but, but yeah. So basically they've been hooking up for like this month. And then after the last time he's like, Oh yeah, about that. You're not really that good. You're not really that pretty. So you're not really going to be famous. Uh, and that's, and that's not great. So, uh, you know, what is Roxy Hart to do other than, uh, you know, take the pistol out of the sock drawer, uh, and give Fred his comeuppance. Now that's I'm right. not saying, I'm not saying that murder is ever the answer, but Fred was a jerk. So <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't feel real bad for him. Uh, pretty much throughout the whole show, you don't feel bad for him. You're like, you know, Fred, you did this to yourself. You brought it on yourself. What's wrong with you? So that's she, right. Um, <clears throat> but she, you know, so and she doesn't just shoot him once. She like empties the whole pistol in his in his chest. It's really it's not good. Poor Fred. He never had a chance. So um, but of course, when the police come. Yeah, the so the police are there, and then uh, you know Roxy's husband Amos, uh, he gets there, and Amos is played by John C. Riley. He is amazing as well. Um, he uh, got a nomination for best supporting actor for this role. Um, but yeah, he gets there, and he's talking to the police officer, and the police officer is saying, "You know, your wife did it. She went from killing to confessing in an hour flat." It was, you know, it was yeah. this it was this big deal. So yeah, Roxy's getting arrested for murdering Fred, which is fair because she totally did murder Fred, and yep. she's on her way to prison. Now, when we get to prison, uh, Velma is already there. She's in prison for you know for uh, washing that blood off of her hands in the uh, in the first scene. You know, she's right. there because uh, it turns out she killed her her sister, her, you know, stage partner and her husband, and he caught them having an affair. Uh, basically men are, are no good in this. That's what you're going to learn here, um, in this prison, but the prison warden, the, the, uh, the matron, matron, mama Morton, she's played by queen Latifah and queen Latifah is also amazing. Also amazing. Uh, so there's this song and again, all the songs that come up are not, in typical, they're not done in typical musical style where you just automatically break into song while you're having a conversation with someone that does Mm -hmm. not happen here. It's all underneath or in this backdrop of if all of any of these situations were actually on a stage in the roaring twenties, um, where you have flappers and just this 
oozing decadence, lots of beaded costuming. And what's amazing is I'm so glad that they were inclusive enough at the time to pick Queen Latifah to be the amazing Mama Morton because she's so good at it. And the song, there's a song that basically explains the whole political situation in the prison, which is if you do what you need, if you give mama money or you give her something she needs, she's going to make sure that you don't freeze to death by giving you a blanket or um, she'll make a con make, you know, a contact with your lawyer or she will get you some cigarettes or get your underwear folded a certain way or whatever you need. <laughs> whatever um, you she'll need, make it happen, right. but you got to be good to mama or else mama's not going to be good to you. You know? Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. If you're good to mama, mama is good to you. And yeah, like you said, it's, it's amazing the way that they kind of tell this normally in like a, a musical film, like you say, is just going to kind of break into song and dance, you know, wherever the situation or location that they are. But it, it does like this like fast cut kind of thing where they're introducing the song like back kind of, you know, in this vaudeville stage show uh, kind of thing. You have like a band leader who's coming on and he, you know, introduces who's singing, what the song is, you know, kind of what the song's about. And the band leader is played by Tay Diggs, uh, who is also amazing. Um, he, you know, got his start um, on the Broadway uh, show Rent and, uh, you know, is done a lot of things he's really great i i love the way that they set up the songs so you still get to see it as like like an actual like musical number but it's interwoven with the you know kind of the story that's unfolding on screen which is really why i think it probably won the oscar for uh best editing uh because yeah. it's pretty spectacular so so yeah so we go from uh uh mama morton uh getting to be introduced to her and then we find out what the gist of this prison is so basically all of the ladies at this prison uh, have had some run-ins with their uh, husbands or significant others. Uh, and, you know, some of the run-ins included, you know, running into my knife uh, 10 times. So <laughs> he ran into my knife. He ran into my knife 10 times. So cell block tango is a staple. A lot of people know it and a lot of people love it. You may not know that it's from Chicago. If you don't, well, spoiler alert, it's from Chicago and it's amazing. And it's basically the story where all these women are talking around about how they uh, absolutely did not murder their no good cheat, cheating lion uh, uh, lovers or husbands. Right. And uh, I still don't understand what squish is, because, but the, but the, the, the the way in which the song is written and mm -hmm. put on stage in the movie is just amazing. The costumes are so neat because they're uh, there's a lot of sheer black like uh, kind of um, beadwork that's done and, and a lot of a lot of fringe. So it's reminiscent of like a flapper dress, but it's way more revealing than that. Um, it's, but, but it covers all the material that you need to, I mean, there's no nudity, but it's very, just a very sexy way to explain and, and kind of create this, uh, tango song. It's one of my favorite scenes because you've got this beautiful red backdrop and then mm -hmm. they're, their silhouettes and the chairs that they're on. And so it's, it's kind of reminds you of jailhouse rock, but it's a much sexier version, right? It's just much more adult. It's very good. It's very, very cool. But all of these women are on death row uh, because they absolutely did not kill their people. Um, they all say that they didn't do it. Um, especially one who doesn't speak any English. Um, I believe she is uh, from Russia she was a ballerina and you you get the gist that he was 
also not a very good person, but she keeps mm-hmm. saying that she uh, is not guilty. She did not do it. Um, all of the others are less convincing, but y- you wonder if she actually uh, was framed somehow, right? Yeah, that's right. So uh, I, be- I believe she's Hungarian, but yeah, this this number is amazing. Um, it's this uh, it's this tango, and they have like this kind of red like sash that they're you know pulling out of their like dance partners to represent the blood. It's it's really uh, really cool looking. So we get the background on you know why all these women are at this prison uh that's uh, not a very not a very nice place uh you know these ladies are you know uh pretty legit uh criminals and so roxy doesn't really i don't roxy definitely kind of fits in with these ladies but she kind of feels like an outsider to them almost and you'll see kind of after this musical number she's she's in she's sitting down uh with uh, mama morton and she's like i'm just gonna go in and tell them the truth and mama morton's like tell them the truth no you need billy flynn that's what you need don't tell them the truth let billy flynn come in because he will lie for you he will get you off billy is who you need billy's who you need he's never lost a case uh and you know, she's probably getting tons of kickbacks from this guy, right? Uh, and But we do get to meet him. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Billy Flynn is played by a surprisingly uh, amazing uh, Richard Gere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I heard he was going to be cast in this, uh, my heart sank a little bit because I didn't think he was really a song and dance kind of man. Um, and I'm pleased to be wrong. Uh, he does a lot of amazing work in this film. Uh, and the, the, the first time we really get to meet him is on this, is this really cool, uh, kind of montage where he's a lawyer, right? Um, and he says he doesn't care about anything except love. Like I'm doing this all out of the kindness and goodness of my heart. Um, Mm -hmm. but he is, he's probably one of the biggest cads of them all, right? Because he does not care if anybody did anything, he wants his day in court and he wants $5,000 guarantee that you will, uh, you'll, you'll get off, but you need $5,000. And then the twenties, that was a ton of money. Oh Um, yeah. (laughs) So of course, poor Amos, you know, that poor guy played so well by John C. Riley, right? He's, he's the one who, you know, was married or is married to Roxy Hart. He's doing whatever he can. His loyalty is, almost sickening because it's just so sad because she does not care about him at all. She's just wanting to stay alive and not go to the, you know, um, go, go be hanged. Um, so <laughs> right, he, yeah. he's pleading with Billy Flynn saying, Hey, you know, I don't have $5,000. I just have this amount. And Billy Flynn kind of admonishes him, but not enough to not take the case. So he's like, yeah, you can just pay me double, you know, over the course of the next 10 years of your life. That's fine. Um, right. Yeah. So he gets, he gets Billy hired. Yeah. I think he says that he was going to give him $5,000, but he only has $2,000 and Billy decides that that's, that's probably fine to take this case. So uh, he is officially the attorney for Roxy. Now um, they do the amazing, uh, they both reach for the gun performance, which Billy is uh, dressed up as like this puppeteer kind of thing, pulling the strings. Um, it's amazing. Cause Roxy's like sat on his lap. Like she's like the, like the puppet, like the dummy uh, puppet mm-hmm. doing this song and uh, it's really fantastic. And then Roxy finally gets her time to shine, right? Billy has gotten her on, you know, the headline of all the newspapers. She's innocent. You know, they both reach for the gun. You know, this was this was a tragedy waiting to happen. Uh, so we finally get Roxy 
uh, to have her own sort of jazz monologue. Um, and it's going to be Roxy. So it's, you know, finally time for Renee Zellweger to shine um, in her role. Um, I think I think in this particular one, she's wearing like that silver dress, which is just amazing. Um, and all the costuming and in, in the film is so yeah. good. It's like that. It's like that flapper dress kind yeah. of thing. Uh, oh, looks, yeah, so good. Totally awesome. I mean, I'm so glad it won for best costuming, right? Yes. Yes. Best costume design. And it totally deserved to. And we can talk about a little this a little bit more later, but there's a scene where when Velma and Roxy are both together at the very end singing and they're wearing a very similar dress. I don't know how they do that where, because they have different body types, right? But they, mm-hmm. they, they crafted them in a way where they both look like they have a billion feet, like their legs are 18 feet tall and they have a waist that's cinched. Like they just, and, and trust me, not everybody looked like that back then. So I don't know how they do it with all the fringe and they, and it catches mm-hmm. the light in such a way it's, Amazing. Uh, an act of genius for sure. I cannot say enough about the costumes um, and the men too, like Billy Flynn and his suits are all like they're monochrome on in, in certain light, but then he literally mm-hmm. will step from one spot on the stage to another and his suit lights up and it's in one take. So it had to be a, a mix of the lighting that they created for the shot, as well as the costume itself. Mm-hmm. just brilliant brilliant yeah it's it's super good but yeah so roxy you know she's under the wing of billy flynn he's getting her all of the positive publicity uh so now it's kind of been uh, an about turn right so you had roxy at the beginning of the film you know feeling a little insecure feeling like she was in uh velma kelly's shadow uh you know never be able to live up to her now the uh the coin is kind of flipped right so velma kelly is there uh she's not getting the headlines anymore she's not getting the press she's not the uh big famous uh, superstar celebrity that she was a little bit of go so she is going to partake in an act of desperation which is how the band leader uh, announces it and she comes out and she does one of the kelly sisters songs she does both parts of it uh it's pretty fantastic i will say uh and it's Roxy is so cold at the end of it, um, tells her to, uh, you know, to watch her diet and that no, thanks, not interested in, uh, in, uh, being in the show with Velma Kelly. Velma Kelly is old news now, says Roxy. Yeah. Martin. Yeah. Well, and she's not wrong. I mean, poor Velma, I mean, her, her trial date has been postponed indefinitely. And what that means is no matter Velma's stuck in jail, so she can't go make any money. She didn't make bail. So she's, she's stuck in this jail until she actually gets her court date which in actuality could be pretty scary. So I, I, I don't, I don't blame her. Um, but to be fair, Velma Kelly had no time and no love for Roxy when she first came into the prison and was like trying so hard to um, please Velma and get on her in her good graces. She was not kind then. So, you know, turnabout's not fair play. Uh, but I, I kind of get where Rocky's Roxy's coming from. And uh, you know, they, so Roxy and Billy are having their day uh, answering questions and, uh, right in the middle of things are, uh, Lucy Lou comes in famous Lucy Lou love her. She, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. apparently, you know, being someone who gets sick of uh, a man treating you bad was a theme in Chicago because she plays an heiress who basically shoots somebody, 
uh, in bed with other, a, a couple of other people and she shoots everybody. She kills them all. And so the press, it breaks to the press right as they're having a press conference trying to talk about Roxy Hart's innocence. And um, they start to run away from her. The press does and in the direction of uh, wherever Lucy Liu is so that they can go in and get you know this breakthrough story. That's that's right. Yeah. And uh, Billy Flynn is uh, hot on her heels, too. Right. He's yeah. He sees his next payday and it's uh, Lucy Liu, the heiress. But, you know, don't try to get one up on Roxy because Roxy is a sneaky sneak. And so what does she do? She faints. And then, you know, to everyone's surprise, she says, I hope that the fall didn't hurt the baby, uh, which is which is sneaky um, and not true. She is totally lying about this. But. Uh, it's heartbreaking because Amos is there and he's doing the math in his head and he's like, wait a minute, then that baby is probably not mine. Um, and that's sad. And it leads us into Mr. Cellophane, uh, which is a fantastic song that Amos does uh, because yeah, you can uh, you look right through him and walk right by him and never even know he's there. So uh, yeah, but Roxy's gotten the attention back on her. You know, all it took was a little white lie and Billy Flynn's a little white lie. <laughs> and, uh, and this is not and, a little white lie. Okay. No. <laughs> and Billy Flynn is back in her corner. It's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. So Billy Flynn, I mean, he has no other choice. And the thing about it is when he sees that she says that and he kind of looks at her like, Oh man, you're brilliant but like, you're also the angel of death. Like he's like, she is a survivor. Roxy Hart is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. She's going to do whatever she needs to, to survive this. And it's really unfortunate for Amos as we'll, as we will see. Um, So right after the Mr. Cellophane number, which is amazing, uh, you know, we see our uh, Hungarian uh, ballerina finally Mm -hmm. uh, go and, uh, you know, she'd been trying to get Billy Flynn's attention, but she had no money. Uh, English was not her language. Um, and so no one listened to her. No, no, it looks, you don't get a lot of the story other than in cell block tango, but you really get the feeling that she was framed or she didn't mean to kill him, kill who she killed or something. And she ends up going and getting hanged. And it's um a really interesting uh, way that they depict this because it, they don't want it to be too gory. Um, mm-hmm. But the way that they do this, where the audience that's watching uh, the actual hanging is now kind of superimposed on an audience watching a ballerina do like a disappearing act. It's mm-hmm. really beautifully done, um, but very sad because you do feel like maybe she was the only one out of the five uh, that either felt real remorse or really was in a bad spot. And the all the, the others really kind of have whatever they had coming to them, even though they thought that it was all the men who had it coming. Mm-hmm. So, right. Yeah. So, but yeah, really, really well done. Kind of this mishmash of this uh, ballerina performance and then the actual um, hanging going on there, but it's time for Roxy's trial. Um, you know, so you get another a couple of really great songs, you know, give them the old razzle dazzle and they're there. Billy Flynn's, you know, starting to win the hearts and minds of the trial. Uh, but, Velma shows up to testify against Roxy. That's not great. That's not a good look, uh, especially in Roxy's eyes. Uh, but, you know, it doesn't really, you know, pay any sort of dividends for Velma. I think it was kind of her one last stab at getting back at Roxy. But, you know, Roxy ends up, you know, uh, getting set free, right? Do the uh, do the uh, yeah. tap dance routine. And Roxy is is cleared of her charges. I guess maybe they both really did reach for the gun. 
After I all. guess they both did. Sure. Why not? And not, <laughs> not, and she didn't do it just for her defense, but the defense of her unborn baby that she swears now is Amos's. So of course, Amos is like, come home. It's going to be fine. We can start again. And can I just say that I had, I don't know the backstory behind this, but I think I remember reading that Richard Gere actually is the one tap dancing and that he mm, had to learn be, yeah. how to tap dance because he was not a tap dancer before this. And I have to say, I'm not, I'm not a tap dancing expert, but I've seen a lot of dancing and I thought that was really, really well done. Mm -hmm. um, the way that they, he tap dances. And, and again, the editing's just brilliant in this film because they're showing what is really happening in the courtroom and they're, you know, intersplicing parts of an act where somebody is tap dancing. And so you can hear the tapping and the, the way that they edited and synced the tapping with the speaking parts uh, within the courtroom. It's just brilliant. It's so good. And even though I don't like that Roxy Hart gets off, uh, I'm really uh, amazed at the clean and crispness that this act kind of brings to a close, right? This whole thing, because he mm -hmm. is so good. Billy Flynn is just an actor, basically. He's a showman, right? And so he's yep. not worried at all when Velma Kelly, uh, you know, tries to, un, uh, you know, unearth any new ground around Roxy's guilt or innocence, right? It's yeah, all been part of this act. It's, it's all been part of this act that's been put together. So yeah, so Roxy cleared on all of her charges. She is out of... Uh, prison now so she can go out and strike it out on her own uh, but that's not really going that well uh, no one's really that interested in this one woman act you know she's kind of you know yesterday's news now uh, you know not that big of a deal so she's walking out of her audition uh, and who is there it's uh, one last chance I guess to make amends with Velma and Velma says you know you can't do this alone. I can't do this alone. Neither of us are, are famous enough anymore to go at this alone. So we need to go in and do it together. And Roxy says, it'll never work because I hate you. And Velma says, that's okay because this is, this is the only industry where that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> this is the only industry where that's not a problem at all. That, that's right. So they get the, uh, the Roxy and Velma show um, and we get our you know kind of final number to end it. And it's, it's incredible. You already had, you know, talked a little bit about the costuming for it. There's this huge, I don't know, it looks like it's about 15,000 feet tall, this light panel <laughs> yeah. that's in behind them with all these, you know, just kind of incandescent light bulbs in it. Uh, it looks so cool, but yeah, they're coming out and doing, you know, their uh, final song and dance for everyone. Packed house. Packed house. Yep. And I love it because they get these kind of Tommy gun, BB gun things. Mm -hmm. um, and they're white. And so they obviously don't look like real guns, but everyone in the audience, uh, and you don't know if this is real or if this is in their head. Um, you just don't know, but everyone in the audience is now, uh, a fan of theirs. So there's Billy Flynn, there's Mama Morton, everybody's on, you know, watching them and they're mm -hmm. all kind of laugh now because it's part of the joke. Like they're, yeah. they're both murderers. It, it does have a, it does have a very dreamlike feel to it. Yeah. Kind of right. Yeah. But then there's this scene where like they're dancing around with these guns and then they both turn and they shoot out, you know, it looks like they're shooting out bulbs in this, this backdrop that you're talking about. That's so big. Mm -hmm. So cool. It's just super neat. And um, it really does do a great job of showing you what it would be like if you were to see this on stage. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So they they finish up their last number, and uh, that's that's where it ends, right? So I, I guess they uh, they game the system and they uh, kept their popularity and their and their show, and then you know it, it goes into the end of the credits where it's you know taking some time to kind of highlight um, throughout this performance each of the each of the people, which you know very much felt to me like kind of like a curtain call, like you would see on like a Broadway show, um, yeah. and and yeah, that's how that's how Chicago ends. It's a it's a musical. I think it came out in like 1975 and i guess it was based on like a play that came out in the in the 20s uh, about roxy hart um so so yeah so chicago the musical the movie 2002 won a lot of awards um and it's especially after rewatching it this weekend it's easy to see why um now i saw this back in 2002 because i've always really liked the musical chicago the music from it is spectacular um i think in in my humble opinion um, and I remember liking the movie, but watching it again this weekend, I was just blown away by how good it was. I don't think I was like <laughs> in 2002, I don't think I was like old enough and you know, wise enough to really understand how brilliant it was. But yeah. what did what did you think uh, rewatching this, Michaela? Did you watch this back when it when it came out? I mean, you know, I had had the Oscar buzz going for it. So you probably did, you know, around. Yeah, then, but... no, I did. And so I had I saw this and I had not seen the uh, musical, the Broadway show or off Broadway show at all. So when I saw this, I, I'm a little ashamed, but I'm going to, I'm going to be vulnerable and tell you what I really thought. I did not like this film when I first saw it okay. in 2002. I don't know why I was like, I don't know why it's getting all these accolades. I mean, I think it's all right. There are parts that I really liked. Like I thought Richard Gere did a good job. I loved Queen Latifah, but I just didn't like it. And I didn't understand why it was getting all the buzz that it was getting. I did not understand mm-hmm. why it had 13 Oscar nominations. Um, I didn't get it. Then about four years later, I saw Chicago come through on an off-Broadway production. And I was like, I'm going to hate this because maybe I just don't like the story, but I went ahead and did it because I really love Bob Fosse. And I was like, I should, I should, I should go ahead and see it. And then I went and watched right after I saw that I went and watched the movie and I was blown away. It was like, I had seen a different movie. Mm -hmm. And so now I get it. Like I, it's still, I don't love some of the plot points um, because I, I, you know, I don't, I don't love that, um, you know, the ballerina ends up kind of getting killed and, you know, people who are guilty of sin get scot-free, you know, get off scot-free. I, 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 that bothers me a little bit, but it's so good. It's so good. And even this weekend when I rewatched it for the purpose of the pod, you know, it, the way in which it creates a dual reality of what is actually happening and you start mm-hmm. to get a vested interest and the way that they turn that over into a jazz show where mm-hmm. you would, you know, if they had that sort of thing in Vegas today, you would go see it and, you know, drink in your all that jazz martini, you know. Yeah. It's so great. The costuming's amazing. The singing's great. I love that they picked actors that could sing instead of just singers that could kind of act. Um, mm-hmm. That was really, I mean, it, it now, I, I mean, I've just done a complete about face in the last 20 years on this, on this film. Took me a little yeah. while, but I finally got there. Yeah, there you go. For sure. Um, but yeah, th- this is amazing. So, uh, to put in a little bit of perspective, so Chicago it came out in 2002. Um, the budget was like 45 million dollars, and it made like two million dollars back on it. Uh, you know that first week, um, not a lot. But then 
Uh, I think after people saw it, because it came out like Christmas week, I think, or like the week after Christmas. And after people saw it, it just like absolutely like exploded. Um, Like, and especially in terms of musical films, uh, a lot of musical films do really well. They do really well in the Academy Awards, um, but they very rarely make a lot of money. Uh, This thing made like $300 million, uh, which is just absolutely insane to think about. Um, And, you know, at the time you had, you know, Renee Zellweger, Catherine Zeta-Jones, you know, at the height of their popularities probably, or, you know, at least kind of creeping up on it. At that point, you had Richard Gere, um, who was great. And the whole cast was fantastic. Um, I, I really love the way that it looks. And we've talked a lot about the, um, you know, kind of the, the film editing. It's almost like you're watching a movie and a Broadway show, like side by side, like they could have like just put them both up at the, at the same time and just had you watch both. And uh, that's really great it's a really interesting way to do a musical where it's not all just you know taking place like real time as the story is playing out it, they're like these kind of vignettes that are you know going in to to show these um you know these musical numbers uh which is really fantastic i love the way that it looks the the film has like this like graininess over it which is really cool um yeah. looking and that just makes all the you know the colors and kind of the details on the on the uh, costuming pop, but yeah, this one, fantastic, fantastic musical, fantastic movie, uh, based on a musical, uh, and you know, well-deserved of the Academy Award love that it got that year. I yeah, think. absolutely. Absolutely deserving. So, um, hopefully you've seen it because if not, we spoiled a lot of things for you, but, uh, we did warn you. Um, but if you have not seen this, please, it's worth your time. It's worth your time to see it. And if you, um, are a purist, um, I think it does a really good job of doing what the original uh, Broadway play did or Broadway show did. I think it's it's got all the look and feel and, and even so much more because it's able to do things that you can't do uh, on a stage. And it's um, yeah, it's definitely worth your time. So go see it. Um, and if you're and if you're if you're really want to treat, go see it while you're drinking a couple of these all that jazz martinis because they are delicious. That's right. Yeah. So if you make up an all that jazz uh, martini, we want to know about it. We want to see pictures and hear how you liked it. Um, And you can see pictures of ours on the website and social media and all that stuff. And let us know what you think about Chicago or, you know, what your favorite movie musical is or, uh, you know, which ones you're looking forward to seeing. Uh, Definitely let us know all that. And you can do that on our Instagram and Twitter. It's at drink the movies and on Facebook.com slash drink the movies. Um, you can get the written recipe, pictures, uh, episode recaps, all that good stuff on our website, which is www.drinkthemovies.com. And after you've done all of that stuff, um, you know, if you if you like the podcast, uh, maybe you could uh, subscribe and uh, give us a review. Where should they go do that, Michaela? They need to do that on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere you like to listen to podcasts where Anchor Podcasts are distributed. If you do like us, Uh, And we hope you do because you've listened to us for 50 episodes and that's not even counting our lobby bars. It's very exciting. Uh, If you do like us, please leave a five-star review because it really helps us get uh, the drink the movie stuff out there. We're really excited about the community that we're building uh, of drinkers who like movies or movie watchers who like to drink. I'm not sure which one takes precedence, but they're both pretty cool. They're both really important groups. So uh, please join us. Yeah, that's right. Please join us and, you know, join us next week because we're going to keep going with musical month. But if we're going to get to 
our next week. I'm going to need at least one more of these all that jazz because I'm not ready to put this one to bed yet, Michaela. Well, I got about eight ounces left of Keats paste, so I got you covered, dude. We can make that oh. happen. Okay, perfect. All right, well, we're going to go mix up another one of those and you know, watch our movie for next week. And we'll talk to everyone next time on Drink, Drink the, the movies. movies. Stay away from jazz and liquor. <laughs>